Well, it is an honor and a privilege for me to be able to bring the word to you this morning. If we go back one year ago, the beginning of 2020, we were all filled with anticipation. We had things that we were looking forward to, graduations and family gatherings and other very special events. And then out of nowhere, when we were least expecting it, something happened that we had never experienced before. And it knocked us off center. It abruptly changed everything. It changed how we gather in worship. It changed how we spend time with others. It changed how we celebrate. It changed how we view the world. It changed how we view the future. Well, now here we are in this beginning of 2021, and we have this whole new year ahead of us. And some of the people that I have heard from and have seen on Facebook have said that now that we have this new year, everything will be better. But if there's one thing that we have learned over this past year, it's that we do not know what the next 362 days will hold. In a normal year, but what is really normal anymore, the week after New Year's is typically a down week for a lot of people. The celebrations are over, the decorations are being put away, family returns home, work and school routines start to kick back in. But yet when we look at our world right now, we still see anything but normal. We still see political chaos. Racism is still ever-present. People are still enduring economic hardships, job losses, difficult health diagnoses. And at times it seems that the Christmas spirit has left and the world seems a little gray. We look around and for some of us it's hard to see the light. So what do we do moving forward how do we move into this new year when nothing seems certain? Is there any hope when we are still faced with the darkness? I think John, the author of our text this morning, would say, absolutely, yes, there is hope. So this morning, if you have your Bible handy or your phone handy, would you turn with me to the book of John, chapter 1, and let's see what God's word has to say to us this morning. John, chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, this is the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. 
What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God the only Son who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And may God open our hearts, our minds, our ears, and our eyes to see and hear what he has to say to us today. Amen. Well, did you catch it? When you hear this passage, did you hear the familiar language? There is a direct and almost purposeful connection to another book that begins in the beginning. In John chapter 1, we hear the echoes of Genesis chapter 1 ringing out through this passage. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. In the beginning, there was nothing, emptiness, darkness. And then God spoke. If you have the voice translation, at times it gives a little commentary, either preceding or coming after some of the verses of scripture. And right before Genesis 1-1, the voice translation commentary says this, out of nowhere, time, space, and all the living Whirl forth as God speaks the universe into existence. With the utterance of his voice, creation takes form, chaos yields to order, light eclipses darkness, and emptiness fills with life. Darkness is not what God intended. So he declares, let there be light. We hear the same echoed in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. The light shines in darkness, and darkness cannot overcome it. This light breaking through darkness 
is found throughout Scripture. In Isaiah chapter 9, the people who had been living in darkness have seen a great light. The light of life has shined on those who dwelt in the shadowy darkness of death. Jesus even speaks to the light as well in John chapter 8, verse 12, when he says, I am light to the world. And those who embrace me will experience life-giving light, and they will never walk in darkness. The new year is here. It is just dawning, but for some, the uncertainty is too much. For some, it is still hard to find the light. So how do we take what we hear from this passage into the new year? Well, I find there are four crucial things that we discover in this passage that can help us as we begin 2021. The first is this. This light that John talks about is his very presence, the very presence of God. Verse 14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's talking about presence. It's more than just being close by. This is an abiding presence. The message translation puts it this way. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. In the original Greek in Aramaic, the literal meaning of lived among us or dwelt with us is this image of God pitching his tent among us. It goes back to Exodus when God's glory came down and lived in the tent with the people in the wilderness. That is what Emmanuel looks like. God with us, pitching his tent with us, moving into our neighborhood. But not just our physical neighborhood. What John is talking about is this Emmanuel, God who is with us, moving into our very lives, into our darkness. You see, Jesus is not afraid of the dark. He moves right into it. He enters our darkness. Jürgen Moltmann says that we overcome because the Christ who suffers and is crucified for us is beside us precisely in the bleakest hours of darkness and hopelessness. Some people mistakenly think that if we experience darkness or difficulty, then we must not be fully Christian. I do not read that anywhere in Scripture. In fact, I read just the opposite. When Jesus says in John 16, in this world you will have trouble. But what does he say in that next sentence? But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Darkness does not mean that God has abandoned us to our difficulties. 
Warren Carter says that God's presence enters our darkness, illumines it, and it resists its power to extinguish God's presence. God is with us in the midst of our griefs and our sorrows, our loneliness and our disappointments, our loss and our brokenness. Darkness does not have the last word. Thanks be to God. Because Jesus Christ is Emmanuel, the God who is with us, we can experience his presence in the midst of our darkness. This Jesus understands our pain. He understands our brokenness, so he comes near. The second thing that we discover is that this light dispels darkness. His presence is transformational. It is a light that can burst through the darkness. It may start as a pinprick. We may have to look hard for the light, but until the darkness is shattered, hold on to that pinprick of light. Hold on to the God who is with you. Until the darkness is shattered, we can count on the very presence of Christ to be with us. We can count on, as Walter Brueggemann states, God's steadfast love, God's abiding hesed, the tenacious solidarity of God that persists amid pestilence. God has not abandoned. Darkness struggles against light. Darkness wants to have the last word. It wants to win, but it can't. As soon as there is even the tiniest bit of light, the darkness is no more because light can be seen. The world has tried its best to keep God's people in darkness. But as we heard from John this morning, Nothing can overcome the light. The light keeps bursting through the darkness. Nothing can extinguish the light. Warren Carter goes on and he says, This light, Jesus, invades darkness and is in the process of transforming it. Even though the darkness does not go quietly, and at times tries to dominate, the light becomes a human being and pitches tent among us. But let me ask you a question this morning. How easy is it for the darkness to drown out God's light in our lives? Do we live our lives like we are surrounded by the inextinguishable light of Christ? Are we more focused on the darkness around us or the light? There is nothing Satan wants more 
than for the people of God to stay in the darkness. But how different would our lives be this year, this month, this very moment, if we could focus on the light? If we really, truly believed that the darkness cannot win, that the darkness cannot overcome God's light. This is not to say that the darkness is not dark, because it is. But in the midst of our darkness, look for the light. God's light is always shining. Can you see it? Do you believe it when you see it? His light comes in all shapes and sizes. The light might be the voice of a friend on the phone or in a text. The light might be a song on the radio. The light might be your favorite scripture passage popping into your head at just the right moment. The light might be the quiet whispers of his spirit in your heart. Look for it. Look for the light. Because it is always there. The next thing that we discover is that this light brings life. Eric Verbovsky says, life itself is brought into being by the word's power and love. John's opening verses put in perspective the vast, incalculable, and supreme love, power, and sovereignty of who Jesus Christ is. Furthermore, John poignantly shows that just as the word first brought life, the incarnate Jesus Christ comes to redeem and restore that life to what it is truly meant to be. Jesus Christ is without a doubt the powerful light shining into and overcoming the darkness that sin has brought upon the creation and people. You see, darkness was never God's intention. That is why he spoke light into the darkness. God is in the darkness-transforming business, and God wants to transform your darkness into light and life. John 1.4 says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus, in John 8.12 we heard this before, says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Even in the midst of our darkness, God wants to transform us and bring us life. God is actively working in our lives and in this world, seeking to bring life into darkness, 
beauty from the ashes. God is still working, even though the light might be hard to see. So let me ask you, where is God working in your life right now? The light may show us some places where we need God to do some work to make us more like him. So as Pastor Mary asked us last week, what do you need to let go of so that you can hold on to Jesus? Are we actually allowing God to do the work he wants to do in us? Are we letting him transform our darkness into new life? Are we going to receive this life that God wants to give us? This life that John is talking about, it is this abundant life. It is a life that is filled with hope and peace and joy and love. This life looks like adoption into God's family. We hear it in our passage this morning. But whoever did not want him, who believed he was who he claimed and would do what he said, he made them to be their true selves, their child of God's selves. It looks like God's grace being poured out and poured out and poured out. And we heard this in our passage as well. And now out of his fullness, we are fulfilled. And from him, we receive grace heaped upon more grace. This is the life that God wants for you. And not just at the beginning of a new year, but Every single day. Life. The last thing that we discover is that this light is meant to be shared. John the Baptist was the first witness for the true light, Jesus Christ. In John 1, 6 through 8, we hear about John. There was once a man, his name was John sent by God to point out the way to the life light. He came to show everyone where to look and who to believe in. John himself was not the light. He was there to show the way to the light. But you see, John is not the only one who is called to be a witness to the light. We are called to be witnesses to the light, just as John the Baptist was. We are called to tell others about this Jesus. Eric Verbrovsky goes on and he says, as John the Baptist did the work to prepare others for the light, we must also work to prepare others for the light as well. The light lives in us through the regenerating, saving, and sanctifying work of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. It also reflects 
from us onto others as Jesus Christ shines his light through our own hearts. As Christians, we must live and act and speak to others in such a way that we work to prepare the soil for the seeds of the gospel. 1 Peter 2.9 puts it this way, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. But maybe Jesus says it best in Matthew chapter 5. He says, here is another way to put it. You are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We are going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I am putting you on a light stand. Now that I have put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you will prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. So who needs to hear your story? Who needs to hear how God has brought you through the darkness? Who needs to hear how God is sustaining you right now in your darkness? Who needs to know that there is a God who will walk with them through the darkness, that there is a God who is with them, who wants to move into their neighborhood and pitch his tent. If God has done that for us, shouldn't we tell others so that they don't have to stay in the darkness? This might mean that we need to go out and find the darkness. We won't have to look very hard. But are we willing to enter the darkness of others to point them to the light? How are we going to be a witness of this light in our world that is so filled with darkness? There is a song, it's written by um, a group called Maverick City Worship. And it's actually going to be posted on our Facebook page as soon as our service is over. And I would encourage you to take a time sometime today or this week to listen to it. It's, the song is called The Story I'll Tell. And it goes like, the words are like this. The hour is dark. And it's hard to see what you're doing here in the ruins and where this will lead. But I know that down through the years, I'll look on this moment 
and see your hand on it and know you were here. Believing gets hard when options are few. When I can't see what you're doing, I know that you're proving you're the God who comes through. But I know that over the years, I'll look back on this moment and see your hand on it and know you were here. And the chorus goes like this. And I will testify of the battles that you've won, how you were my portion when there wasn't enough. And I'll testify of the seas that we have crossed, the waters you have parted, the waves that I've walked. And I'll do that singing. Oh, my God did not fail. Oh, it's the story I'll tell. Singing, oh, I know it is well. Oh, it's the story I'll tell. Who needs to hear your story? This year, let's spend it being the witnesses of the light. Telling others about this Jesus who wants to bring light to their darkness. Let's spend this year allowing God to bring light and life to our darkness. Let's spend this year looking for the light. Looking for it. Let's spend this year surrounded by the very presence of Christ. Allowing his light to illuminate our dark. There's a story told by Bob Woods about a couple who took their two children to visit the Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico. I've never been there, but saw pictures this week, and now I want to go. The tour of this national park included a dramatic moment at the very deepest point underground. Upon reaching the lowest point, the guide turns off all the lights just to show how dark darkness can really be. And while they were enveloped in this complete darkness, the little boy begins to cry. But almost immediately, he heard his sister's quiet voice say, Don't cry. Someone here knows how to turn on the lights. Maybe that's what you need to hear from God this morning. As you look at this new year ahead, and as you face your darkness, maybe you need to hear God say to you, don't cry. I am here. And I know how to turn on the light. Would you hear that this morning? Would you let that soak deep into your heart and your mind? No matter how dark it may seem, God knows how to turn on the light. And in fact, he already has. Let there be light, he says.
That light is the very presence of Christ. That light that dispels evil. The light that brings life. The light that is meant to be shared. God's transforming presence is still bringing light into the darkness. Emmanuel, God is still with us. He is still shouting into the darkness, let there be light. And there is no greater shout into the darkness than when we make our way to the cross and the empty tomb. It is God's ultimate shout. It is finished, he cried. And as that tomb opened on the third day, it was the shout of victory as Christ defeated evil once and for all in a burst of light. And every time we come to the table, every time we hold the elements in our hands, we declare with a shout that light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. No matter what we face, no matter what this year will bring, the darkness cannot and it will not overcome the transforming, life-changing, darkness-overcoming presence of Christ. So as we receive these elements today, May we do so in remembrance and with a heart overflowing with gratitude that Emmanuel, God, is truly with us.